Hello and welcome to Tales from the Ruther Library, a podcast coming from the Walter P. Ruther Library at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. I am Dan Galadner and I will be your host today. Here at the Ruther Library, we have thousands of manuscript collections that tell amazing stories. You can stay here for years to uncover more and more tales to tell about labor history, urban history, and the rise of the urban university. And to back up these stories, we have an amazing collection, our photograph collection. There's about two million photographs. These photographs represent various aspects of labor, urban, and university history. Each one have a special meaning to various groups, various people, various researchers, and they all convey some sort of conscious rising that we all identify with when we look at photographs. We have some from the teacher unions about with Albert Shanker being arrested in New York City after leading the teachers out on strike in 1967. We have the Flint sit-downs, the Battle of the Overpass from the UAW collection. We have the IWW collections. So those photographs are amazing with the um, bread and roses strikes and uh, various other actions they took in the early 20th century. But there's a, a group of photographs that really hit the core of our collections. And they cross across many various aspects of our American society, which means people in the civil rights movement will identify with these photographs. Those in the labor history movement will understand that actually any American would identify with these photographs. And th these are from the uh, sanitation workers strike in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. And we were really lucky. Um, our AFSCME archivist, Stephanie Kaloya, planned an exhibit around these amazing images. She invited Richard Copley, the photographer who took these images, to come and speak at the exhibit opening. She sat down with him with a microphone and had an interview with him. So coming up, Richard Copley with our AFSCME archivist, Stephanie Kaloya. <laughs> In early 1968, Richard Copley was a student at Memphis State University working at the photo lab. One day, his advisor and mentor presented him with a job offer. He called me in one day and said, um, there's this union that needs some pictures taken. Are you interested? And I said, well, sure. Now, I'm a 22-year-old college kid. I'm a, I'm a journalism major, history minor and extra money, so I jumped at it. And I will tell you that I had no idea whatsoever of what I was getting into. The union was the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, or AFSCME. For years, Memphis Local 1733 struggled for recognition by the city. The majority of black sanitation workers endured terrible conditions on the job. In addition to the thankless nature of garbage collection, supervisors frequently mistreated the men without recourse. The workers received few benefits and low pay, 40% of them qualified for welfare. And the city refused to replace their old malfunctioning trucks, one of which led to the death of two men, Echo Cole and Robert Walker, on February 1st. That tragedy proved to be the final straw, and on February 11, 1968, the union members voted to strike. On paper, the demands of Local 1733 were for union recognition, dues checkoff, increased wages, and grievance procedures. But ultimately, the strike was a demand for respect and dignity. AFSCME International immediately sent top staffers to assist with negotiations. Local religious leaders and community activists rallied around the workers, and built up community support. Martin Luther King Jr. arrived in Memphis 
on March 18th and spoke at Mason Temple to a crowd of over 3,700. He told the workers that all labor has dignity. Richard Copley had a front row seat to this historic event. It was his very first assignment. He gave a stem winder of a speech, and he promised to, um, to come back and lead a march. And so here's where there was a little twist in history and something I've often wondered about. Memphis had a 12-inch snowstorm and literally shut the city down. I mean, this is 1968. There are no snow plows. Uh, there's no way to, 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 you know, do anything but let the snow melt. And so it delayed him returning to lead the march. And I've often wondered, had not that snowfall happened, history might have been altered. Something we'll never know, but I've often thought about it. Dr. King returned to fulfill his promise on March 28th. That morning, Copley described a friendly gathering of thousands of sanitation workers, their families, and allies. This was when he took his most well-known photograph. In the image, several rows of men are lined up, ready to march, holding the famous signs above their heads, which read, I am a man. I'm using a Nikon, which was a 36 exposure film camera. Composition is very important, obviously, in any photograph. But my I am a man I only took one image, one frame, because the, the fear, in my mind, was running out of film when it might be a crucial, crucial moment. So in comparison to today with the digital revolution, magnificent pictures, but they're unlimited. You can, you can shoot a thousand and not worry about running out, of, uh, running out of film. Back then, it was a real consideration. The march was underway down Beale Street when Copley described hearing glass break. Dr. King's aides removed him from the crowd, and then... All hell broke loose. I was almost immediately sprayed with mace, tear gas, but I could hear the screams, the thuds, what I would have to describe as terror uh, going on around me until my eyes cleared enough where I could start taking pictures again. The following day, Copley took another of his well-known images, one he calls Dignity. It, to me, Dignity represents what it was really all about. The two gentlemen and their Sunday go-to-meet-and-best with hats on and stern looks and Ted Brown in the foreground with Reverend Theodore Tibbler behind him Ted was carrying the sign Dignity, and it was stenciled on the sign. For me, it's the strongest image of, of, uh, of all the images that I took in 68. On April 3rd, Dr. King returned to Mason Temple to a standing room only crowd. It was uh, a very stormy night, uh, strong storms, possible maybe tornadoes, uh, it didn't matter. Mason Temple was packed. Overflow crowd. And he gave his mountaintop speech. 
It was a very powerful speech. There, there was not a, a noise in the crowd as he did his oratory. The next day, Dr. King was assassinated outside his Memphis hotel room. One of the, the most sad days for me, I was in the dark room printing pictures from the night before. And so I didn't, I didn't know that he had been assassinated until about 8 o'clock that night. Uh, once again, curfews. Uh, cities all over the country were erupting in riots. Memphis was no exception. Um, I would have to say very, very, very tragic, sad times. Dr. King had planned to lead another march on April 8th, but instead his widow, Coretta Scott King, led a memorial march in his honor that day. Mrs. King, with her children, and Harry Belafonte and Ralph Abernathy, led the march. It was a silent march. There were 10,000 people marching in silence. The images of her talking to the people uh, are, are like ever, everlasting for me. Uh, I have one image of, a, of a, a black child sitting on the knee of a white gentleman listening to Mrs. King talk. It's a day I'll never forget. Shortly after that tragedy, the strike came to an end on April 16, 1968. The workers received a pay increase, union recognition, and grievance procedures. After photographing the sanitation strike, Copley transitioned to television news, moving around the country a few times, but eventually returning to live in Memphis. The subject of the sanitation strike didn't come up for many years. Then, during a milestone anniversary, he was surprised to see his own images on television. I turn on the TV and Dignity and I Am a Man are all over the place, all over the map. I, I, I said then and there, I've got to get a grip on this. Um, my, my intellectual property is, is being handed out, you know, without my permission. Copley was able to secure his rights, though he still has to remain vigilant. There's been, there's been a drip, drip, drip of interest all along. Um, but it came a flood this year with the 50th anniversary. Uh, there's been a flood of interest. There's been violations. I've become the I am a man police. Um, it's, it, it, it became cumbersome having to s surf the Internet every day to see if there's another violation. And there were some serious violations, but they it all got reconciled. Copley has covered some of the biggest stories in the United States since 1968. He considers Hurricane Katrina and September 11th as two of his most important. But I still count the sanitation strike and Dr. King's assassination as the most important to me. Never in my wildest dream would I have thought 50 years later that these images are so important to our history and to be so relevant. These men and their families are heroes in my mind. I feel very privileged to have a front row seat of history. These images are for our children 
to be educated with, to, to know where we've come from, how far we've come and how far we need to go. Well, that was a cool interview, Stephanie. Um, so you spent the day with him. What did you guys do? Yeah, we had a really nice visit. He, um, I was able to give him a tour of the campus, and he got a tour of the Ruther and especially the AV department. And, of course, did, got to see his exhibit, and he did, was... Did he say the Ruther was really cool? I don't know if he used the word cool, but he was very impressed. Really? Did you show him the AFSME collections and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Steffi, why don't you tell us a bit about the AFSME collection this year at the uh, Ruther? What kind of stuff did you show him? Well, the Ruther is the official depository for AFSME International Records. They have materials from Memphis, Memphis Sanitation Strike, and one thing that we brought out to show him is, um, you know, he talked about the Dignity photograph that he took that was his favorite, and we actually have the poster that is in that image, um, you know, the original poster, so we got that out to show him, and he... I think he thought that was really cool. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. That must have really touched him a lot. That was really nice. Cool. So the AFSME collection, what else does it in the AFSME collection besides all right, Memphis and the history of AFSME? But uh, what, what kind of like neat subject areas do you think is really needs to be flushed out? So we have material covering the whole history of the Union from its founding in Wisconsin in, 19, uh, in the 1930s. And it really covers the history of public employees. They've really championed civil rights, of course, women's rights. Um, there's materials related to, um, you know, pay equity strikes, to the anti-apartheid movement. And we have records from uh, all the different presidents, uh, including Jerry Wirth, uh, Gerald McEntee, and um, the secretary treasurers, especially William Lucy. And so it really covers the history of public employees in the United States. So it really covers also the rise of public employees and the power that they entailed by not only getting collective bargaining, but being so influential into the South African anti-apartheid movement, mm -hmm. so the international stuff. Um, that's that's a cool collection. Yeah, it, it is very cool. Lots of good stories in there. Um, you said Copley moved back to Memphis after years of being elsewhere. Uh, what's he doing now? What's, what's his uh, drive? Well, he still works as a freelance um, cameraman for uh, television news, but he also, he's recently revisited his first story. He's collaborating on this project called Striking Voices, and they are interviewing some of the remaining 1968 Memphis sanitation workers, um, the men and their families, and uncovering a lot of stories that haven't really been told yet. Um, some of those are on the root.com. So if you go to the root.com and you search 1300 men, that's what they're calling that series. Um, there's a series of videos on there that are really fantastic, and I really recommend that people check them out. That's awesome. That's great. Stephanie, you did a great job. That was a great interview. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Take 
Tales from the Ruther Library is a production of the Walter P. Ruther Library of Labor and Urban Affairs at Wayne State University, coming to you from the heart of the Cultural Center of Detroit, Michigan. The producers of Tales from the Ruther Library are Dan Glogner and Troy Eller-English. Special assistance from the Ruther Podcast Collective, including Bart Bilmer, Elizabeth Clemens, Megan Courtney, and Paul Neering. Of course, this podcast could not be done without the research and the support of the entire Ruther Library staff. To learn more about the Ruther Library, or if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.ruther.wayne.edu. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. So, coming up, interview with Richard Copley with AFSCME archivist Stephanie Coyola. Did I say it right? Not really. Damn it. <laughs> it was close. Why? Kaloya. <laughs> so, coming up, an interview with Richard Copley with our AFSCME archivist Stephanie Coyola. Really? <laughs> How about this? All right. Uh, so coming up, we're having an interview. <laughs> Damn it. Richard Copley, Stephanie Kaloya. Kaloya. Mm-hmm. All right, Kaloya. Okay. So coming up, an interview with Richard Copley with our AFSCME archivist, Stephanie Kaloya. You did it! Yay! Yay! <laughs>